You're listening to the Educated Athlete Podcast, a show dedicated to empowering athletes and practitioners to perform at their best through education. I'm Coach T, and I'm an exercise physiologist. If you want to elevate your game, take your fitness and sport performance to the next level, or become a better coach, this is the podcast for you. Let's learn. Basically, why I wanted to launch this podcast was like, as an ex-athlete, right, we are always scheming for any edge on the field or whatever way you could perform better and especially me like I played football right it's a big absolute power absolute force dominant sport and I just like I'm small dude 5'8 160 played d2 so like small school like good enough to ball but I had to really get like the x fizz down and really just like hone in my training just to even get on the field even at that at that level and so basically you know now that I'm studying for my PhD and so on like I just want to share some of the things that I'm learning now with all athletes everywhere to help them be able to fulfill that because if if others are gifted right or talented and have the capacity to do it then an educated athletes dude an educated athlete just deadly deadly like if you're an educated athlete and you know what your coach is telling you to do and why to do it like you will reach somewhere near your peak performance capacity. I think that's pretty fair to say, you know, which is a big reason of why, why I wanted to launch this and get this podcast going is just to start sharing that critical information to help educate athletes um, and coaches and practitioners all around the world. So welcome, man. Cannot be more excited excited. to have you here with us for our first episode of the educated athlete podcast. Let's get it. Um, Let's get so it. Why don't you start and let us know, you know, what's good, your story, Brandon, welcome. Um, and let's just hear a little bit about you. Yeah, man. I mean, like you said, ex-athlete, we always want that, you know, that extra push. What's the next thing coming? And, you know, I've, I come from a baseball, basketball background, uh, actually uh, training to become a boxer or to have my first boxing um, match. So okay. I'm trying to do a little bit of both right now training but also train for competition so i know one i know what it takes again to compete at a high level what it takes for my um you know my body like how how much input can i put on my body at right at this age 28 Mm -hmm. um as opposed to competing when i was 20 21 like my body is definitely way different than it was now seven years ago which now it just seems like I'm really old, you know, but with that comes a lot of experience too, at, at the yeah. same time, um, yeah. training and seeing all these bodies, seeing all these athletes coming in and out. It's like, okay, now I know one, what my, what my niche is, which, which is focusing on mobility for strength. Okay. And when, when it comes down to is like you said, athletes really knowing their body or knowing, you know, their body well enough, or what they can do in competition or how they can improve so they can go out there and be, you know, perform at the most optimal level. So that's where I'm at for myself, but also for training athletes as well. Nice. And so you touched on your niche being mobility, right? We work together a lot with mobility and you've enlightened me on some things, especially just like, for example, the 90, 90 stretch, the little nuances in the 90, 90 that make it go from this, like kind of passive, not so great stretch to really honing the breathing and the positioning to like really facilitate a good stretch in that position. Um, what made you get into the niche of mobility? Like what got you started in, in that realm versus I feel like everybody wants to work with a flashy speed, agility, right. 
max strength? Like, why did you choose to go the mobility route and really hone your practice within that? It's a good question. Um, I think the precision that goes with it, um, being really, really like honing really in on one little aspect of the body. Yeah. Where you really have to be aware of where you are in space. You have to be aware of how your body moves um, so that you have the most control over it. And if you have the most control, you know, over your joints, of, over your muscles, then I think, you know, from that standpoint, you can perform a lot better because you do have control of your body. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then with that, you know, I, I think I like seeing the progress. It's very small. When, when we talk about mobility, you're not going to see, you know, a huge jump in results. It's because it takes time. It can be frustrating. Yeah. Uh, but most importantly, it takes time and consistency just to even see when I look at results more so of like the degree of flexion or extension in someone's leg or knee, right? To me, I get more satisfaction being able to see someone's, you know, flexion in their knee go from, you know, zero to like one eight or something like that, right? That to me shows great, tremendous progress for you. You, you even know, you tore your ACL. Yeah, for sure. Man. Yeah. Seeing you, that and then able being able to, yeah, man, <laughs> injuries. That's, I think that, that's what it comes down to being able to come from an injury, a serious injury, and then going back out and performing, you know, at the highest level. 100%. So to talk about mobility and take a little, uh, a step closer towards that, right? Like in injuries, can you explain a little bit about how lack of mobility, right? We know our body is a really, really good compensator and that if you're limited or restricted in a certain range of motion, that that can really expose you to risk of injury because your body might move away that it needs to, to get the job done, but that might put you at right. risk. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, to define mobility, right. It's the ability to move freely within your joints, within your muscles without any uh, restrictions or you know, contraindications. And if you improve your mobility, you're going to improve your strength and body control overall. So, you know, if you don't have that range of motion or you're lacking mobility in certain places, you go to compensate, which actually, you know, in most, but in most sports, you're going to be compensating one way or another. Right. Look at um, baseball, for example, right? You're rotating only one way pretty much your whole entire life. If you're playing yeah, baseball sure. for People get really 15, good 20 years. At the elite yeah, level. Yeah, really, really, really good. good um, yeah. So it's hard to make those mistakes because you're constantly making those mistakes, but over and over and over again. So it's for an athlete's standpoint, it's how can we put you at your best position to work efficiently in those compensations right now if you're if you're you know a nine to fiver and you're just sitting in at your desk all day you're sitting in a chair and then you want to go play rec basketball you're going to tear your acl you're going to you know sprain your ankle because you're probably not training your mobility for those uh, type of movements when you've just been sitting down all day right and that's when injuries occur yeah for sure that makes sense um another thing that you talked about is is really understanding your body do you do you take a big like kinesthetic awareness approach to your mobility training? Uh, like Definitely. how do you apply that kinesthetic awareness? And is that a piece? Do you feel like your like balance and stability are a piece in your mobility programs? How do you program? for mm-hmm. that? Proprioception, just knowing your, your spatial awareness. And I think that comes down to how well, you know, we as trainers can assess your client or your athlete. And just based off an assessment, one, you know, based on our experience, you can see, you know, kind of all the compensations. And then I'll be able to ask those questions of like, hey, do you feel like maybe your hip is dropping 
or do you feel like you're leaning over to one side and just right. making someone more aware of that makes them think like oh maybe i was leaning that way because most people are not, are not even aware they're just going yeah. about their day you know and right. not even aware of it so i think that's the biggest thing asking questions and in each session too each time we're working out together i'm always asking those questions because i want them to be more aware i can see it but they can't see it critical i think you know that brings up a really good point i feel like strength in the strength conditioning realm and in in the training realm when we see like asymmetries and things like that like we always try to fix them and make somebody symmetrical and get towards that but Mm -hmm. in reality we know that like the body's not very symmetrical right like the heart's on the left like we have different shape organs and like things aren't symmetrical. Our hips usually shift to the right. We're right hand dominant. Right. So within the scope of that, like how do you assess or address some type of like assumed asymmetries? Cause we just know we're not symmetrical beings, Right. right? Um, so how do you kind of work through mobility? Is there like a functional threshold that you think everybody should be at and like relatively less asymmetric is obviously better probably, but functionally think? yes i think but um i think it comes down to what your end goal is or what you're trying to achieve sure. you know if you're a high caliber athlete well you know your mobility is going to be a lot different than someone that is working at a desk all day right it's going to be completely different and your body is going to be already different because you're sitting or you're moving in different directions um so i think the the training aspect of it kind of relates to what your end game is yeah, or what your end goal is yeah, it totally makes sense. Like principle of specificity, right? Our body's mm-hmm. going to adapt to whatever imposed demands are placed on us. And we just need to try to fulfill those demands however we can, which is why you have people like, for example, in the league, like Steph, who is really agile, right? He's very conditioned. He can last a while in the game, but like he's not throwing down dunks like Westbrook is. They have a completely different game. Completely so different. How to compensate differently with their defensive slides, how to get to the rim in different ways. Um, so it's really interesting to think like from our scope, just in the body's movement and how we move, like how we try to fix things. But when it comes to the actual sport mm-hmm. that people are training for, it's such a different requirement and trying to yeah. like match those requirements and just help people with those things. Um, I heard something really interesting the other day talking about how a lot of times strength coaches will match the intensity of sport, for example, in basketball you're going to try and match the mobility that people go through in training that is required Mm -hmm. for the sport. Right. But really they're getting that demand from the sport. You should probably be doing some other stimuli to get them closer to this other specific thing, like T-spine rotations or Mm -hmm. get into those specific hip flexor stretches, those specific 90 nineties to help them gain this new range of motion, not doing things like, you know, eccentric, loaded, back squat right. like that to get the bottom of a deep squat because i don't think people are getting into those positions in that sport you know what i mean um so mm-hmm. it's a really interesting paradigm that we're in and programming for mobility so um to get to kind of like the the topic of today mobility and strength right i think that's i think that's really powerful um because our our body's ability to move through a specific range of motion and do it forcefully is, is really valuable and impactful. So if we, if we lack the ability to move through a range of motion, and we don't have strength there. I think you could consider mobility training is actually strength training because if you yes. gain new range of motion, right, then you're gaining strength in that new range of motion because you didn't have it previously. 
So you Correct. are strength training and stabilizing the joint in a way. Do you, do you agree with that, that scope? Yeah, it just, I would say it just takes it to a deeper level of yeah. where are you strong? Are you just strong? You know, do you look strong aesthetically, right? right. That's one aspect of it. Are you actually strong, able to push, you know, a, a bunch of weight? But yeah. then it comes to a deeper level. Are you strong within your joints? And can you stabilize? Is your structure strong? Right. right. And then that's the deepest part of your body. So right. I, I would say that's the end of one spectrum of being strong. And that relates to mobility. Awesome. Incredible. I think you have a, a really cool kind of theme and background. Something that I've heard you say a lot is move more, move often. Right. And so for anybody listening that might have that nine to five, like weekend warrior, like athletic approach, you know, or they just don't have all the time to train. They train three or four times a week um, or less even, right? How do you, how do you get somebody to move more and move often when they're not an athlete, when they're not required to move all the time, right? Like what is yeah. That? I mean, it, I can come from experience, even just from this past year of being in a pandemic, like as a, as a trainer, I'm not, I'm not used to just being at home all day, sitting yeah, and, you know, doing virtual training, you know, and to me, it was like, oh man, you know, now I have to come up with different types of, not movements or programs, but, but different type of approach to training. Uh, because now I realized, you know, sitting up, sitting down all day, it's like, okay, um, your body's going to be stuck in, in these different positions. And you might not even realize that you need to get up and start moving. And then when you do get up and you go, go to your training session after sitting all day, you try to go lift or squat a hundred so pounds. You're going to feel all weird. You're going to feel achy, especially the next day. Yeah, for sure. So I think when it comes to mobility, it's like move more throughout the day, move often. The more you're moving, that means you're being mobile. I guess that's really what mobility is. Right. All right. Um, it's like if your cell phone, was attached to you know the old school ones attached to a wire you're not gonna be able to go anywhere with it now you have a mobile cell phone so it's the same concept right if you're moving more you're gonna be a little bit more loose and i think that comes down to a lot of people have having that um that thought of oh i have bad posture i have bad posture i need to get good posture i don't think there's anything uh correct with saying i need good posture i think you just need better posture and that yeah. comes with just moving more moving often yeah yeah having more stability throughout the lumbar spine yeah spine, cervical spine and then that comes down to like oh i don't have time i don't have time okay if you don't have time i think most people will have actual time for at least 10 minutes out of the day right you know i would want to have 10 minutes out of my day to move or have some kind of routine that i do you know midday if i'm moving for 10 minutes i can get back into work get back you know i can even eat lunch 10 minutes yeah, and then sure. 10 minutes i can move after that right so i think that's what it really is just making sure that you have time giving yourself enough time to move got it so i feel like one of the misconceptions about like mobility training and stretching right is like and, and stretching is that like it, it's length like it takes a lot of time like you got to hold this static mm -hmm. position for a minute or you got to get into this position and breathe through this range of motion for a really long time right um what do you think about some of the misconceptions about mobility training? And like, is it possible to gain mobility in 10 minutes a day if you really just do that, but you still sit all day and so on? Well, just what you said, 10 minutes a day is, is better than 30 minutes, you know, one time during the week. If you're doing 10 minutes a day, you're being way more consistent 
specifically on certain areas that you probably need more mobility. And so I would say, I don't know if it's a misconception of people saying that, that, you know, it takes too long, stretching takes too long. Maybe that's just one way of thinking about it, but yeah, I, I can do a 10 minute mobility, uh, you know, flow or, or routine. And if I do that every day, one, I'm increasing my mobility. I'm staying consistent with it, which means eventually I'm going to get stronger in those positions. Yeah. Consistency is key, man. For sure. Consistency is key. Yeah. What are some other uh, misconceptions about mobility training? Um, I would say using a massage or like a, like a foam roller or, um, oh, interesting. you know, the massage guns yeah that, the percussion you know, like oh if i just if i just do that in that area i'm going to be good which you will but it's very very temporary right because it's only the superficial muscles yeah. that you're really that you're really it's releasing it's going yeah, to and promote blood flow and get some things go- going maybe move and just dis- like disrupt a little bit of tissues in the fascia but it mm-hmm. might not be a true mobility fix right it feels good and by all means do it i'm not i'm not hating on it but it's you would still have to do that consistently on a consistent basis, right? Right. If you're doing that every day, yeah, it's going to help loosen it up a little bit more. But if you're really lacking that mobility, you know, you can do that myofascial release and then you can go into your mobility routine. Yeah. It's going to aid with it. It's going to aid it, but it's not going to fix it. Right. right? So to just to clarify on that, I feel like that's really important is using tools like foam rolling and percussion massage as almost like an activation strategy to increase blood flow, disrupt the tissue, maybe get some of the adhesions moving in the tissue a little bit, and then going into your mobility flow. Um, Rather than a lot of people just feel like just doing the foam rolling or just doing the massage is going to be the answer to the question. Mm -hmm. When I know like sometimes there's an acute, like sometimes I have a little bit of knee pain um, from my like rec fem acting up the top of my quad muscle. And if I release it with a hypervolt, the pain goes away. But that's probably not going to mm-hmm. help with some of like that'll release some tension, but that's not going right. to help with mobility, strengthen the end range of motion, and so on. And me, yeah, I think on a deeper level too, it's it's more of a uh, passive tool, right? Yeah. There's no real connection to your nervous system, uh, you know, to get yeah. your joints and muscles moving to create that yeah. that freedom. Right? You have to actively move the joints, move the muscles yeah. to create that range of motion. Definitely. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So with that, um, I think transitioning onto another topic might be really interesting, joint mobility and strength while you have injuries, right? It's something Mm -hmm. that that is, is really, I think an interesting concept. So you have like the preventive preventative realm trying to prevent injuries. You have this like, okay, I was injured. Like how do you gain mobility? For example, I tore my ACL on the left side. I now have knee issues on my right from compensating from so long. Right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's brutal. So how would you suggest somebody like works through joint mobility um, while you are injured, like maintaining strength, maintaining range of motion and throughout the recovery process, of course, without any contraindications, right? Like don't stretch the area that's injured and so on. Right. Um, like what are, what are your thoughts on that? And like maintaining mobility and joint stability. That's a good question. Um, and it's all going to come down to, I guess more so where you're at in your training, is it, you know, post-injury, pre-injury or uh, preventative injury, right? Yeah. Um, and we look at it this way, right? If, you're, if your load that you're bearing 
you, you can't your, your capacity your body capacity to withstand that uh, is less than the load you're going to get injured so 100 yeah, i mean most most acl tears i would say maybe 80 85 percent are not even uh contact right yeah it's, they're it's mostly like, on contact yeah i'd want to look at a non-contact a, right like a meta for for that percentage but i know it's really high there's most of them pretty are high yeah. i mean it, it sucks like i was just watching the warriors game yesterday and jamal murray non-contact yeah um stepped right. towards acl it's, it's sad just to watch that but right. the load maybe he his the impact that he did when he landed it was just so high that his body was not able to do you know withstand that so that that's kind of where the injury occurs and then we look at rehab if the load is you know equal to or less than the capacity for you to withstand that's kind of where the rehab takes place right right and right. then you know to get back into preventing those injuries your capacity needs to be way way higher than the load that you know might impact you so that's where the mobility yeah. strength comes in right if we increase that range of motion we're getting stronger you're you can withstand more of that load i like that approach that that makes things you know really kind of simplistic and clear a big generalization for a kind of advanced topic really simplistic right right, right. basically like think i always think to the uh, like general adaptation syndrome like you apply a stress and our body responds but if you apply too much mm-hmm. stress then we become exhausted um and so i think i think there's a lot of people that train just like too hard um they'll get out and like go just just go hard and the load is way higher than their capacity and that's good of course like overreaching has it right. but it really needs to be systematic in nature and evaluated and applied at specific time points when you're training, mm-hmm. not just going hard all the time, all the time, right. The right. The right adaptations and so on. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I think a golden question for you, like as an ex athlete, ex collegiate baseball player yourself, right. And knowing what you know now um, for anybody listening in that seat or anybody that works like the classic nine to five, what would you want to share and what do you wish you would have known then? And honestly, now I think you can kind of speak for both because you're kind of in a corporate setting now, right. In a way, you're, yeah. you're working virtually. You're in you're in a desk chair all the time, so you're kind of like a classic right. to be honest. Exactly. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm curious, like, based on everything that you've learned, if you could share a couple primary key points, like, what would that be for people? Yeah, I, I would. I would say where I can relate to most of the general, you know, population, where if you are, you know, working nine to five or even longer than that, it's really giving yourself time to really get that 10 minute routine. And if you don't have one, you know, um, me or Trevor can, you know, easily come up with, with a program or not even a program. It's really just five or six exercises that you can do on a daily basis. That one will keep you moving. It can be specific to, you know, the injuries or back pain that most of us have sitting in the chair, you know, something simple as that, that you can follow on a daily basis. I would, I would guarantee that's going to help a lot more than trying to go hard on a workout, you know, twice or three times a week. Um, So that's one, one tip I I would give to everybody. Now, if it's more of like a athletic uh, scene where, you know, you need to uh, perform at your highest level on the field, you know, mobility training is going to one, increase your optimal, optimal performance. If you can get stronger in that aspect reduce the risk of injury if you're consistently doing it 
um, but also consistent mobility is going to help with recovery time or faster recovery time. Cool. That way you can get back on the field as quickly as possible. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Well, thanks for sharing, brother. Much love, man. So stoked to have you on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I just wish I was in Hawaii with you. Yeah, come out and visit anytime, brother. Of course. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, again, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, Brandon has an incredible company, Winning Mentality Fitness. Honestly, he is a mobility guru. He has helped me incredibly. Like I can't even explain how much range of motion he was able to help me get with my ACL surgery. Um, and just recovery for that and even the training afterwards so if you haven't already check out his site i will link all of his contact info his bio and everything to all of this content and uh stick around episode two will be on its way next week we'll catch you guys soon peace sweet peace out